This will be part four of the Acts of Yeshua's emissary, Jeshelechim, out of Acts chapter 23. We'll be beginning in verse number one here in a moment. And so, Father God, we thank you for your word, which is, has been entrusted through the prophets and the apostles of old and has been written down in multiple languages so that we would be blessed, Almighty God, in whatever tongue that we do speak, to have the opportunity to have your written word before us, Almighty God. We are the most enriched of all peoples who has ever lived on the earth to have multiple translations of your holy word being readily acceptable and very inexpensive for us to purchase, Almighty God. I'm still amazed, Almighty Lord, that even today that your word, the Bible, is the most read and it is the most purchased of all the books. And so, Father God, we just want to give you glory and honor and praise. We know that one day we'll have to give an account for what your word has been written, but you, we have your spirit, your Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God that leads us into all truth, almighty God. We thank you for this provision because, Lord, otherwise we'd be going from, going from one direction to another by all winds of doctrine and false teachings of men, almighty God. But you've entrusted your word unto us so we would know exactly what the thoughts and the plans is of our eternal Father who dwells not only in heaven upon his throne, but also on the thrones individually on our hearts, almighty God. We thank you, O Father, for sending the Spirit of the living God so that we may be able to be fully equipped to, to accomplish all that the Father desires, no more, no less than what the Father desires for us to accomplish as we faithfully live all our days upon this earth, proclaiming the good news, lifting up Yeshua so that all people of every people group, every tribe and nation and every tongue of the world can come to know Messiah Yeshua. Otherwise, you would have simply just taken us up there to be with them, with you, Almighty God. We just give you glory and honor and praise in Yeshua's name. Amen. So beginning in Acts chapter 23, beginning at verse 1. Shaul looked straight at them and said, Brothers, I've been discharging my obligations to God with perfect, perfectly clear conscience right up until today. But the Kohen Haggadah, the high priest, Hananiah, ordered those standing near me to strike him on the mouth. Then Shaul said to him, God will strike you, you washed white wall. Will you sit there judging me according to the Torah, and yet in violation of the Torah, Torah order me to be struck? The men, men nearby said, This is the Kohen Haggadah, the high priest of God, that you're insulting. Shaul said, I didn't know, brothers, that he was the Kohen Haggadah, the high priest. For it says in the Torah, You shall not speak disparagingly of a ruler of your people. But knowing that one part of the Sanhedrin consisted of the Zudakim, which are the Sadducees, and the other part, the Purushim, which are the Pharisees, Shaul shouted, Brothers, myself am a Parush, a Pharisee, a son of the Purushim, the Pharisees, and is concerning the hope 
of the resurrection of the dead that I'm being tried. So what is our hope today? Is it in our bank account? Is it in our stocks? Is it in our employment? Is it in our, ho- our house, our cars? What is our hope today? Is it not in the hope of the resurrection? That promise that Messiah gave to his Talmudim before he w- left this place. He said he was going to die. He was going to be buried, but on the third day he would raise from the dead. And just likewise as the Father, through the Son, Yeshua was raised from the dead, so shall we be one day, those who are asleep in the grave. I noticed as I was driving down this morning, driving by and through little towns, there are a lot of cemeteries. You know what the thought has been on my mind through the years as I've been traveling? How many of those individuals one day when Yeshua appears in the clouds, shall have their mortal bodies, their bones, their flesh, re-glorified and to join with their spirit in their soul, immediately being transformed. You see, their eternal destiny has been sealed. No one can go there and share the good news with them. Those who are resting in those graves who did not give their lives and lived out their lives with the hope of the resurrection. And that should be our hope today. Knowing that what Messiah has promised is yes and amen. And so right here, Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, goes to the very crux, the most important thing. That was him lifting up Yeshua as the Messiah and the hope in the resurrection. So let's continue here in verse number six. But knowing that one part of the Sanhedrin consisted of the Zudakim, which are the, the Sadducees, and the other part of the Purushim, which are the Pharisees, Shaul shouted, Brothers, I myself am, am a Parush, a Pharisee, and the son of Purushim, Pharisees. And it is concerning the hope of the resurrection of the dead that I'm being tried. When he said this, an argument arose between the Purushim, the Pharisees, and the Zudakim, the Sadducees, and the crowd was divided. For the Zudakim, who are the Sadducees, deny the resurrection and the existence of angels and spirits, whereas the Purushim, the Pharisees, acknowledge both. So there was a great uproar with some of the Torah teachers who were on the side of the Purushim, the Pharisees, and standing up and joining in. We don't find anything wrong with this man. And if a spirit or an angel spoke to him, what of it? The dispute became so violent that the commander, and I remind you here, this is a Roman commander, fearing that Shaul would be torn apart by them, ordered the soldiers to go down and take him by force and bring him back into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage. Who's the Lord here? But the Lord Yeshua. And what is his words to him? To take courage. That's an encouraging word to us today, is it not? For just as you have borne, 
a faithful witness to me in Jerusalem, so now you must bear witness in Rome. What greater confirmation that he who is called the first who was resurrected from the dead, he being Messiah, stood next to uh, Rav Shaul in person. This was neither a dream nor a vision, but this was literally Messiah standing there and speaking to him. This speaks to the intimate relationship that Rav Shaul had from the very beginning of the time when Messiah Yeshua revealed to him, self to him, on the road to Damascus. And now more than 20-some years later, there's still a close and intimate relationship going forward here. Verse 12, the next day some of the Judeans formed a conspiracy. They took an oath saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Shaul, the apostle Paul. More than 40 were involved in this plot. They went to the head koinim and the elders and said, We have bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food until we have killed Shaul. What you are to do is make it appear to the commander that you and the Sanhedrin want to get a more accurate information about Shaul's case so that he will bring him down to you while we for our part are prepared to kill him before he even gets there. Many times Hasatan will stir up the anger in others to come and do us harm, those who bear witness to the hope of the resurrection. For Yeshua truly is our hope going forward. But the son of Shaul's sister got wind of the planned ambush, and he went into the barracks and told Shaul. Shaul called one of the officers and said, Take this man up to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the commander and said, The prisoner Shaul called me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The camp commander took him by the hand and led him aside privately and asked, What is it that you have to tell me? He said the Judeans, the leaders, have agreed to ask you tomorrow to bring Shaul down to the Sanhedrin on the pretext that they want to investigate this, his case more clearly and more thoroughly. But don't let yourself be talked into it because more than 40 men are lying in wait for him. They have taken an oath neither to eat nor drink until they kill him. And they are already now only waiting for you to give your consent to their request. The commander let the young man go, cautioning him. Don't tell anyone that you have reported this to me. Then he summoned two of the captains and said, Get 200 infantry soldiers ready to leave for Caesarea. And at nine o'clock and 70 mounted cavalry, and 200 spearmen also provide replacements for Shaul's horse when it gets tired and bring him through safely to Felix, the governor. And the commander wrote the following letter from Claudius Lysias to His Excellency, the governor, Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Judean leaders and was about to be killed by them 
when I came on the scene with my troops and rescued him. After learning that he was a Roman citizen, I wanted to understand exactly what they were charging him with. So I brought him down to their Sanhedrin. And I followed. I found that he was charged in connection with a question of their Torah, but that there was no charge deserving death or prison. But when I informed when I was informed of the plot against the man, I immediately sent him to you and ordered his accusers to state their case against him before you. So the soldiers following their orders took Shaul during the night and brought him to Antipas, Antipatris, and then returned to the barracks after leaving the Calvary to go on with him. The Calvary took him to Caesarea delivering the letter to the governor and handed Shaul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked what providence he was from. On learning he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a full hearing after your accusers have also arrived and ordered him to be kept under guard in Herod's headquarters. Think about that journey to Caesarea at night. Think about this, that Rav Shaul was there for almost two years. See, when the Lord allows us to face different circumstances in our life, just think about this. If Rav Shaul, as you can tell by his personality, he was constantly on the go. He was constantly going and wanting to proclaim the good news and the hope of the resurrection. He did not fear even for his own life. But this is a time where the spirit of living God gives him time to pause and reflect as he's spending time. As this trial, which is about to start in the next chapter, chapter 24, he gave him opportunity to go ahead and pen these other letters to which you and I and the body of Messiah have been blessed, not only for here on earth, but through all eternity. Think about those books. If they were not there for our education, encouragement, and enlightenment, blessed be the name of the Lord. And so going forward here, we're going to go a little bit deeper, starting in verse 6. But knowing that one part of the Sanhedrin consisted of the Zudakim, that is the Sadducees, and the other, the Purushim, Shaul shouted, brothers, I myself am a Parush, a Pharisee, the son of Purushim, son of Pharisees. It is concerning the hope of the resurrection of the dead that I am now being tried. And so as we look at this closely here, though a Messianic Jew for some 20 years, Shaul still considers himself a Pharisee. If we look at Philippians chapter uh, 3, verse 5, for a little bit more clarification. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 3 and beginning at verse 5. Actually, we should back up here to verse 1. 
In conclusion, my brothers, rejoice in the union with the Lord. It is no trouble for me to repeat what I have written to you before. For, and for you, it will be a safeguard. Beware the dogs of those evil doers, the mutilated. For it is we who are the circumcised. We who worship by the Spirit of God and make our boast in Messiah Yeshua. We do not put any confidence in the human qualifications, even though I certainly have the grounds for putting confidence in such things. If anyone thinks he has grounds for putting confidence in human qualifications, I have better grounds. And it's amazing the Spirit of living God allows him to share these things with us. The Brit Milah, circumcision on the eighth day, by birth belonging to the people of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin, Benjamin, a Hebrew speaker and with the Hebrew-speaking parents, in regard to the Torah, a parush, a Pharisee, in regard to zeal, a persecutor of the Messianic community, in regard to righteousness demanded by legalism, blameless. But the things that used to be an advantage for me I have, because of Messiah, come to a considerable, consider as a disadvantage. Not only that, but I consider everything a disadvantage in comparison with the supreme value of knowing Messiah Yeshua as my Lord. It was because of him I gave up everything in regard, it all as what? Rubbish or garbage. In order to gain Messiah, what was his pursuit? Messiah and Messiah alone. He wanted to be able to share with other people his relationship that he had with Messiah and to be found in union with him. How many believers today have walked away from their union with Messiah and they're allowing false teachings, false prophecies, false dreams to fill their hearts and minds and they're being led astray. But what did Rav Shul desire? To have union and to know Messiah and him only. To be found in union with him and not having any righteousness of my own based on legalism. But having that righteousness which comes through Messiah's faithfulness and the righteousness from God based on trust. Yes, I gave it all up in order to know him. Is there anything more important in our life? than Messiah today? Do you want to know him? Continuing. That is to know the power of what? His resurrection. And the fellowship with his sufferings. I'm being conformed to his death so that somehow I might arrive at being resurrected from the dead. It is not I that have already obtained it, or have already reached the goal. No, I keep putting, pursuing it in hope of taking a hold of that which Messiah Yeshua took hold of me. Brothers, I for my part do not think of myself as having, any, having yet gotten hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining forward toward what lies ahead, I keep pursuing the goal in order to win the prize offered by God's upward call, calling in Messiah Yeshua. 
Therefore, as many of us are mature, let us keep paying attention to this. And if you are differently minded about anything, God will also reveal this to you. Isn't that a great promise? If we get off a little bit, we start hearing false teachings, we hear about someone's vision or dream, that if we truly listen to the voice of God, he will, he will bring, he will reveal what is true and what is not. Only let our conduct fit the level which we have already reached. Brothers, joining in imitating me. See, he's saying this, I'm your example. Just think about this day. On written word, he's our example even today. And I pay attention to those who live according to the pattern which we have set for you. For many I've told you about them often before, and even now say with tears, live as enemies of the Messiah's execution stake. They are headed for what? Destruction. Their God is their belly. They are proud of what they ought to be ashamed of, since they are concerned about the things of this world. But we are what? We are citizens of heaven. It is from there that we expect a deliverer, the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. And he will change bodies we have in this humble state and make them like his glorious body using the power which enables him to bring everything under his control. Think about that. When Yeshua comes back for his bride, he's able to perform and change our bodies literally at that time. And this is part of the hope of the resurrection that Rav Shaul was going to be implementing as he wrote those further uh, letters to both individuals and to congregations. Praise be unto God. So a Pharisee could believe in Yeshua and his resurrection and still remain to be like a Pharisee, like Shaul. Luke refers to other believing Purushim in Acts 15.5. But it is difficult to see how a Sadducee could remain a Sadducee after coming to faith in the risen Yeshua. And the Brit Hadashah makes no mention of believing Sadducees. It does mention believing Koinim, priests, in Acts chapter uh, 6, verse 7. And some of these may well all have been former Zudakim, Sadducees, before coming to faith in Messiah Yeshua. Now let's look even closer to verse number 7. And when he said this, an argument arose between the Purushim, the Pharisees, and the Zudakim, the Sadducees, and the crowd was divided. Verse 8. For the Zudakim, the Sadducees, deny the resurrection and the existence of angels and spirits, whereas a Purushim, the Pharisees, acknowledge both. So in a definition of the, what the Sadducees, the Zudakim, believed is this. They believed that the human soul disappeared with the body, and only God's spirit remained. 150 years later, a belief in the resurrection of the dead had become an essential ingredient of normative Judaism. For it is recorded in the Mishnah Sanhedrin 10.1 says this, These have no part in the Olam Haba, which is the world to come. Those who say that the resurrection of the dead cannot be inferred from the Torah. 
So going forward here in verse 9 of Acts 23. So there was such a great uproar with some of the Torah teachers who were on the side of the Purushim standing up and joining in. We don't find anything wrong with this man. And if a spirit or an angel spoke to him, what of it? On to verse number 10. The dispute became so violent that the commander, fearing that Shaul would be torn apart by them, ordered the soldiers to go down and take him by force and bring him back to the barracks. So this was Shaul's tactic of diverting the Sanhedrin's attention away from himself and his supposed crime to a long-standing dispute among themselves. And it was successful. It began to open up their eyes that Rav Shaul, his life, was being poured out as a drink offering, was in the hope of the resurrection. And who was he literally testifying to? That Messiah Yeshua was proof, undeniable, because they know this. The high priest that was living at that current time and everyone that was there, part of the Sanhedrin, knew that Yeshua had rose from the dead. It was undeniable before them. So now going forward here, back to verse 11 in Acts 23. The following night, the Lord Yeshua stood by him and said, Take courage, for just as you have been born a faithful witness to me in Jerusalem, so now you must bear witness to me in Rome. More than 40 were involved in this plot. Excuse me, verse 12. The next day, some of the Judeans formed a conspiracy. They took an oath saying they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Shaul. More than 40 were involved in this plot. They went to the head koinim and the elders and said, We have bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food until we have killed Shaul. What you are to do is to make it appear to the commander that you, the Sanhedrin, want to get a more accurate information about Shaul's case so that he will bring him down to you. And while we, for our part, are prepared to kill him before he even gets there. Digging, digging here a little bit deeper, the conspirators would have overcome the Roman guard to bring Shaul across the temple court from the fortress of Antonio to the Sanhedrin chambers. On to verse 16. In Acts 23. But the son of Shaul's sister got wind of the planned ambush. And he went into the barracks and told Shaul. Shaul came, called one of the officers and said, Take this man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him in. And the commander said, The prisoner Shaul called me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. Now going a little bit deeper in verse 16. We know a bit about Shaul's parents here. They were Hellenistic Jews who also were Pharisees. They were of the tribe of Benjamin 
and they spoke Hebrew as well as Greek. The town where they live, Tarsus, is in Cilicia, which is present-day Turkey. But we know nothing about his sister, about his nephew, who is visiting or living in Jerusalem, who helped save him. How his nephew became privy to the plot is uncertain. Either Shaul's enemies included members of his own family, in which case the nephew's presence would have not have, have alarmed them at all, or his relationship with Shaul was unknown to the plotters. So you have to think about all these things. But we see, you know what? When God, we need provision, the Lord will call upon a brother or a sister in Messiah. And I believe this, that, that Rav Shaul's nephew had warm feelings, if not love. Maybe the times when, when Rav Shaul went back to Tarsus, remember in the early years, when he first became a believer, and the, the emissaries there sent him back home so he could go and spend time in the Torah and spend time more with Yeshua? Could you not see the hope of the resurrection and of knowing the Messiah, that this would be on, on Rav Shaul's heart and the possibility of him being able to share that good news with his sister and also that nephew being present there? What a true blessing that is. Praise be unto God. Now going forward. In verse number 21. But don't let yourself be talked into it. Because more than 40 men are lying in wait for him. They have taken an oath neither to eat nor drink until they killed him. And they are ready now only waiting for you to give your consent to the request. The commander let the young man go cautioning him. But don't tell anyone that you, what you have reported to me. Then he summoned the two of the captains and said, go and get the 200 infantry soldiers ready to leave for Caesarea at 9 o'clock tonight and the 70 mounted cavalry and 200 spearmen and also provide replacements for Shaul's horse when it gets tired and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. Now as we go a little bit deeper... Felix, the governor, or more exactly, the procurator of Judea. He was a governor of Sharon, which is Samaria, from the time of 48 through 52 of the Common Era, while Camanus ruled Judea. When the latter was removed from office for failing to suppress the riding between the Jews and the Gentiles of Caesarea, Felix replaced him. About him, Tactus wrote, With all cruelty and lust, he exercised the power of a king with, with a spirit of a slave, referring to him as being a freed man of Emperor Claudius, mother Antonia. Felix had three wives in succession, the last being Drusilla which is recorded in Acts chapter 24, verse 17. And so with that, we, we close the message today. And so Shabbat Shalom.